0: You are listening to the Light Overtime podcast with David Sargent and Corey Bartos. A lot of vocal fry on that one. How are you, bud? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. I just got back from uh, going to Factory Coffee and uh, got a latte and a shot. They're, well, I'm going to buy a bag of their Wild Child blend and send it to you because I'm impressed. I think it's delicious. Yeah. Man. Um, it's got some weird. Some weirdness going on that's just delightful to drink. So they roast their own. Oh yeah, Factory Coffee does all their own roast, which is really nice. Yeah, Um, they're they're pretty cool people. I don't have a ton of experience talking to them directly, but I've talked to the owner a couple times, and uh, I may or may not be helping them with some photography soon, which is pretty cool. Uh, Nice. After a message that I just got, Um, but yeah, I've been stopping in, and you get a free cup of coffee when you buy a bag. And then I was like, "Okay, I'm going to get a shot too before I leave, just while I wait for, you know, my coffee or whatever." Mm-hmm. Uh, blew me away yesterday, so I had to do it again today. Got a latte and then got a shot um, while I waited, and uh, it's like the most complex berry. Like it almost tastes like it's flavored. That's how <laughs> like that's how wild it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was I was really into it. It that's it my has made stuff. me. Yeah, it has made me reconsider completely going bananas on an espresso machine when I move into my place in <laughs> April. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean the options are endless, right? So, uh, you mentioned to me you were going to look at some hardware too. Did you grab anything? Some what? I thought you were going to get like a kettle and stuff.
0: Oh, not today. No. Okay. okay. I, have, okay. I have I have I have two kettles at work, <laughs> and which is insane and i have two pour over devices at work yeah. uh two and a half if you count my like black rifle coffee one um and i just i need one here and yeah. i was like you know yeah. i i make all my coffee during the week you know at uh at the shop but then what happens when i'm here for the two days of the week and i hate myself i <laughs> go to you know i go to factory
1: coffee at least you have that tomorrow. option so that's fair mm-hmm. and you love it so that's cool yeah I don't sure. have, what are you drinking? Well, actually, just water because I did a tasting this morning. I had a f- couple of friends nice. over, and if you guys don't know, I roast my own coffee. If you're new here today, I roast my own coffee, and often I need feedback. This is how roasters grow, especially when you're just starting out. Basically, <laughs> I mean, any creative outlet needs feedback, right? So I invite people over often, and I did that today. We did... <clears throat> four or five different coffees so i'm good <laughs> i've got water and i'm
0: good yeah you're caffeinated well oh that's, yeah that's nice i love a good tasting i'll have to I'll have to come up back up at some time maybe we can uh we can plan an in-person episode and uh do a tasting and That'd stuff Make really some content cool. together yeah yeah heck yeah well uh so the the first order of business uh i want to start these shows off with what you've been working on this week. Uh, I'll go first this week. I'm starting to realize that I have to do reels for work, and I don't really want to. Um, they're kind of bad. So I'm starting to get, better ideas for short form content in terms of like segments uh we already do faq friday um i'm thinking about doing unfortunately flat range friday is also a friday thing uh, <laughs> but i'm trying to i'm trying to come up with you know catchy little uh catchy little things to do and uh, this is the part of marketing that's very boring to me um because it's like how do you market the good idea you have instead of just create content? And I think it's important in such a saturated content market to, uh, to, to make it kind of like a show, you know, taking, taking a note from traditional Mm -hmm. media and like, you know, people have an expectation for one, you have an FAQ Friday or when you have a, you know, this segment on Tuesday, you know, maybe steal two minute Tuesday that everybody, Mm. everybody does or, um, you know, something like that. But I'm working Mm on that and I'm, I'm, Trying to build out after watching a lot of different content creators talk about growth and things like that, what would work translated to the company I work for um what what a posting schedule looks like so i can I can start to actually like track metrics for growth and reach and things like that. you know our account's shadow bound, so uh, <laughs> growth is pretty
1: challenging, mm-hmm. but uh but we're out here, we're working on it, yeah, and I can imagine. The, um, I mean, of course, the pressure and importance of trying to figure out short form content for everybody right now is pretty you know prioritized i'm in the same boat i'm literally i've got this page that i've got ideas on my brother sent me this this cool thing somebody did on tiktok he's like i think you can translate this into uh, coffee and i looked it up on youtube um just to see who else is doing this idea and there's like one guy doing this one idea that i'm going to start doing he's got millions of views and nobody's really doing it and i think i can do it with a little better production quality so i think you know you got to think about these things and it I'm sure is difficult um, in your industry because you have to balance out what do I prioritize Um, the information and education versus entertainment value. And everyone's trying to figure that balance out. How do you hook someone in two to three seconds and then provide just a dense amount of value in like 30 or 60 seconds or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's uh you know for those who don't know i've, I've kind of alluded to it i'm not going to talk about it a lot on this uh this show because i don't think the overarching industry is important for our topics but i do work in the firearms industry and a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the contents either uh to me really annoying and like super like bro heavy or like like dude culture which Mm -hmm. i don't like dude culture and i think there's a way to make you know interesting content without just defaulting there um or it's just like the most ridiculous uh getting to the borderline unsafe Mm -hmm. and i want i want to make things fun and sick and like really interesting without going into the tropes that i know people like and the content will do well so like how do you you know Mm -hmm. the answer is you experiment but like Mm -hmm. you know that that uh that sweet spot where I still feel proud of what I'm doing and I'm not contributing to like garbage culture is really important to me Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah I can imagine you'll have difficulties um but I think it's important for everyone not just you but to remember uh to like if you're especially in like the lifestyle photography, videography, whatever it is to diversify the types of lifestyles you can imagine using services or products um, in this kind of industry, Whoa. in this kind of industry. So um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure you've got a mind of it. So we'll see what yeah, you come out. up with. We're
0: out here Yeah, <laughs> for sure. What about you? What have you been working on?
1: So um, uh, fo- I did a photo shoot this week a couple of days ago. Um, we have these, um, Candlelight hikes is what they're called, where there's some trails um, and they put out these like solar-powered little uh, can't uh, what are they called? Uh, not candles, but they're like electric, um, just little lights basically, just lights that sit on the ground and they kind of line a trail. And our city has been trying to promote them for years now, and I've developed a pretty good relationship with um, the person who does the procurement for services like mine, photography, Um, and they've been using me for a while now. And we did a photo shoot with uh, a set of influencers, and I got to pose them along this trail, and we did this last year. And if you're in Michigan and you're on Facebook or Instagram, you might have seen my image pop up uh, in the Pure Michigan campaign. I've seen it like a dozen or two times now. Um, it's this couple on top of a sand dune sunset. It's a pretty, pretty awesome hero shot. If I say so myself, I'm proud of it. But I keep seeing it because Pure Michigan is now sponsoring um, that page or that that image Um going linking back to the visit Charlevoix tab. um, And then you can find all the information, blah, blah, blah. That's advertising. The fun part for me is that I got to shoot that last year and it was awesome. And I've developed this relationship with my person, my contact, and we got to do it again this year with a different set of people. And just like clockwork, the clouds opened up and about 20 minutes before the sunset, I could see we had a chance for a really nice sunset. And we got like 15 minutes of like this gorgeous orange magical light. So, you know, I was really excited. It's not uh, photography for me. It's not like super artsy stuff that I get to, you know, put in my portfolio, but I got some really cool stuff. We got to recreate the magic we did last year and I'm excited to edit it. I haven't ingested it yet, but I'm really excited to look at it. I know my contact is excited to hear from me, so we're going to take a look at that. Um, but overall, I kind of wanted to just touch on the topic for you photographers out there, even videographers. Make friends with people in the right places, and one of those right places is tourism boards. If you're a photographer who likes to do lifestyle, um, food photography, uh, real estate, you know, there's a bunch of subjects where somebody in a tourism board who's looking for photographers might need that type of work done, um, and often is the case for me. So probably five to 10 times a year, we have projects where I'm going out to hotels, doing real estate work for hotels, or I'm doing food photography uh, for restaurants. Um, if you can develop a relationship with the right person in your town or nearby town, or you know if you're willing to travel, these kinds of people are looking for photographers and videographers, and I know this is a topic that's important because getting work, especially when you're just starting out, can be really hard. Knowing the right kinds of people is like the most important key basically to life, to getting anywhere in life. Um, oh, yeah. But you know, in this industry, knowing the right kind of people is just paramount to your success. So
0: it's always been super important to remember that if you don't have your like talents in your community, it's going to be super important for you to uh, Start digging them in somehow mm-hmm. I mentioned at the beginning of this show that I'm probably talking to factory about doing some photos for them The reason why they're gonna they asked me and they're interested is because I did some free content for Loot Energy and I took some photos of their cans of energy drinks and they're like I, we loved what you did with that We'd like to talk to you about doing some stuff for an upcoming product or two um, in I did that because the guy who owns Lude Energy is a friend of a friend, and I just thought it was fun. I knew that I like doing product photography, and I hadn't done beverages, so the the image that they actually use as their like social media uh, profile picture right now was this image that I had kind of always wanted to do for beverage uh, product photos. I did it. I kind of nailed it, and they really loved it. So that alone had dividends and that i will probably get some kind of partnership work now because i i just reached out to somebody who did something cool who is also you know at my level they weren't like you know a big beverage company you're not going to go to coca-cola and get a get a gig just by like taking taking a photo of their cans or whatever but like stay in your lane and find you know people that also don't have a giant team who have like a reasonably sized budget and kind of work with them and partner up because i can tell you you know, somebody with a small budget who's going to ask you to come back three or four times a year is a whole lot better than somebody with a huge budget that maybe will ask you once and then you probably won't work with them again for another year or two or whatever. You can, you can kind of chip away and start building retainer clients and that's just kind of always better. Build a community of clients who like your work and want to work with you as friends way before you just try to get, you know, popping off and you think you're going to get a $10,000 like gig because it's just, it's hard. It's tough
1: stuff. There's a lot of people doing it and there's a lot of people doing it at a really high level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is where like focusing on your community first is really important. If you live like in New York or, you know, LA or something, it's going to be extremely hard for you to differentiate early on. So the important part for basically everyone is to focus on honing your craft, building your portfolio, and those clients will eventually come to you. But it is important that you put the the work in uh, finding the right people. Once you think you've got the portfolio to prove yourself, my portfolio had been kind of built up already and this, um, the contact that I have reached out to me first, but I bet it probably would have been just, you know, worked out, for me, if I reached out, um, so mutually we were kind of already on the same wavelength. I had strengths in like landscape photography and all these other things that I do, where the Visitors Bureau here in Charlevoix needs those kind those kinds of images to help, you know, market Charlevoix as a place where people want to come all times of the year. Um, and that relationship has built on itself into different areas of photography that I don't necessarily um, specialize in, but I've gotten some pretty great imagery. Um, just being open to the projects that they think they need done and they could have gone to other people but i said no i'll do it and i know that my pricing is competitive too she's my contact has told me hey your you know your pricing is pretty good and we're going to keep you on so sometimes it's important not to undersell yourself but other times like you were saying to retain clients um, multiple times a year is a really valuable thing because you can grow together and be synchronized. And, you know, I'm often going to my person saying, hey, I think this would be a great idea. What do you think? And they'll be like, oh, cool. All right, let's put it in for the budget for next quarter. Those things build on themselves.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's important to remember that, like, you should be putting stuff in your portfolio that you want to be shooting. Um, You know, I was taking product photos of beverages and things, and now I'm, getting offered work to do beverage product photography, right? Like y- you have to show people that you do what they want and that's how they'll get you. If you're like, yeah, I'd really love to push into like the, uh, the wedding space, but you're just, Photographing dogs and guitars like I do you're not really gonna you're not really gonna make it happen, right? Um, There's there's a lot of opportunity to get you know friend couples I I know so many photographers that will you know pose their friends as Though that's their engagement and things like that and you just make a portfolio of engagement You don't have to do engagement shoots get some you know cute couple friends together and make it look like you're doing a engagement shoot. Mm -hmm. It gives you practice in what you want to do, which is super important because you'll never be good enough and you'll always want to be better. Like that's just, that's just how photography is like always improve, (laughs) always make great things and you'll get better work and you'll get more work and you'll be doing stuff that you love, but you have to show people that you do those things. (laughs) So you sent me a link today that, uh, I feel very passionate about. Um, and I want to, Kind of go through some of these topics, not not too long winded, but uh, it looks like Meta is looking at having a paid subscription version of uh, Instagram, which will be similar to like Twitter Blue. Uh, you know, you get your verification, and what I don't like about it is you also get prioritized like searchability mm-hmm. or or discoverability. Mm-hmm. If you pay for it, which is Kind of busted because it's not cheap um, It's looking like it's probably $12 or $15 if you're on Apple if you're not familiar with why that's the case it's because Apple takes 30% of all their app income and uh, companies will make you eat that so they don't eat it Um But I I hate this. I think, uh, you know, I want to preface with I love Twitter and I think Twitter is an incredibly powerful social media. And if you hate Twitter, it's probably because you're not using it correctly and you're, you know, you're like looking at stuff that doesn't make you happy. Um, It's very easy to curate, in my opinion, on Twitter, which is why I like it. But the recent Twitter blue, um, the verification process has been a mess. They proved that it was a mess when people were, like, basically taking advantage of the ability to make you you look legit, and, um, you know, they got some pretty big companies and a little bit of heat, uh, and that's mostly tamed down, but it makes the verification checkmark basically pointless. Now I don't even notice it, because it's just most people have Twitter blue. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, I also hate this <laughs> in just about every way. And I, I think we may have had this conversation in the past where there w- there's a scenario where I would be not happy, but I would be very content with paying um, a price for using, let's say, Facebook. Actually, Facebook was what I was talking about in the past where there are definitely certain images that get compressed to hell and back. Uh, and I would pay not 12 bucks a month, but I would pay some amount to have like a higher quality upload. You know, Um, sometimes images just look so bad on Facebook and to the, to a similar extent, Instagram, but for a lot of reasons, that's not as bad of an issue. Um, You know, you're using Instagram on mobile most of the time on very small screens. Compression doesn't have the same kind of impact. On Facebook, I would have happily sort of paid for, let's say, five bucks a month or something to have like a really nice upload quality similar to like Flickr. Flickr forever was like the go-to if you didn't want somebody to see a compressed image, you know, high resolution, but like low compression means, you know, much better care when it comes to like artifacting and things within compression, like dark areas of low-key images especially come to mind. So in this case, yes, you get somehow some better reach and searchability, visibility, whatever hate that. That's pay to win. Um, But also um, prioritize support, which is like total BS to me. I feel like shouldn't everyone get the best level of support that the company has to offer, right? We're all users and they've profited heavily off of absolutely everyone who signs up for their platform.
0: Yeah, it's uh, first of all, that's just a mess. Um, their their support process right now is already abysmal. It is it's basically useless. And I told you, like again, my my account is regularly shadow banned, and we get things pulled, even when following TOS. And it's because it looks like we're trying to sell like guns. We do not sell guns. I do not sell guns and Under their their rules. We are also not selling regulated items We're not selling stuff like that And it's such a pain that like I can I can have keywords that would make you almost assume that I was trying to sell a gun, but I'm not And I have to be so careful about my words and then when something gets pulled or we lose our entire account of almost 150,000 followers, it takes an incredible amount of time to even get a resolve and some people aren't so lucky and they don't get a resolve at all And so like first of all you're gonna have me think it's a good idea to pay for something that already doesn't work and Hope that it's gonna be better I think that's busted. I think the fact that they don't even have a source of like, they don't have a real share for ad space. And now if you, if you're on a friend's page, every like five posts or whatever, you still get an ad for looking at your friend's pages and stuff like that. Not even just the main feed. Mm -hmm. So like where, where are these ad shares happening for people that are creating content and anything on there? You can't, Make me pay for something when you already aren't you know doing something even one half as good as YouTube is So like and you know YouTube has its whole slew of issues as well, but like come on,
1: dude. <laughs> yeah. Just about every part of this is garbage to me. Um, I mean, it's offensive. I mean, the, the quote is, if I can read it, uh, meta verified a subscription service that lets you verify your account with a government ID, get a blue badge, get extra impersonation protection. Uh, against accounts claiming to be you and get direct access to customer support. Why should we have to pay $12 a month just to get impersonation protection and direct access to customer support? These are things, maybe not impersonation protection, that's uh, that's kind of isolated to social media, but direct access to customer support, people shouldn't have to pay a monthly fee to have help when your platform is causing an issue.
0: First of all, I have a friend uh, Max who has a skincare company and she Has a pretty successful following like her personal channel has a, a pretty big following, you know over 25,000 or something like that. So she, she's got uh, some views and Somebody made a copy of her skincare company and was like legitimately trying to do fake giveaways <laughs> and we had like hundreds of people report this page and say, no, it, it's literally this person's page. This is fake. And they're like, nope, we didn't see that there was enough evidence to, because it's automatic, that uh, this was a problem at all. Sorry, bye, uh, you know, suck it. And it's like, hold on, <laughs> what do you mean? It's literally a copy trying to give away and scam people. And you're not gonna you're you're not gonna have even a sophisticated enough system to notice that when all of their messaging is like, "Hey, sign up for this giveaway!
1: Sign up yeah. for this giveaway!" Like, yeah. come on, dude. Yeah, numerous times I've reported accounts for similar things on Facebook, especially of either impersonators or just straight up scams. Um, and it's often the wording that gives it away. Poor grammar. You know, they're pretending to be someone who they're not, obviously, and they're trying to get you to sign up for things to eventually steal your data or or. Just get you to buy something that you're never gonna see. You're never gonna be made whole. Um, and in fact, I had I just ran into this yesterday. A photographer that I follow on Facebook put out a call for help. He has like a huge following, um, probably more than ten thousand followers on Facebook. And he said, "Hey, I just found this account that's been stealing my images and cropping out the watermarks and posting them as their own." In this. The scam account has over 11,000 followers, and so it's significant to the point where there's a potential for them to eventually monetize the use of someone else's content. Because it wasn't just but, their images they were stealing; it was a lot of them. It was a wildlife photographer, so they're taking images from a lot of very, very good wildlife photographers and spreading it out, claiming it as their own. And so this photographer got the help of their uh, a lot of their uh, followers to go report the page, and I did as well. Uh, we left bad reviews because it was an obvious scammer. And when I went into the review section, there were tons of reviews for something that looked entirely different. So this page has been transformed multiple times to scam in different ways. And I don't know how it's gone this long without being taken down, but eventually, um, enough of us from this big photographer's following reported the page, and I think now it's down, but it's been years. like like four or five years that this account's been up trying to scam people it looks like it they may have been successful because they're at eleven thousand followers i don't know how many of those followers are bots but it's been years
0: yeah it's it's just for meta to even think that they're doing a good enough job in any stretch of their business to yeah. charge us almost 15 dollars a month for basically nothing mm-hmm. uh it, it does piss me off mm-hmm. um there isn't Anybody coming to the table that creates a better platform. I'm probably gonna push a lot for Twitter growth this year I'm gonna start posting, you know uh, quad photo sets on Twitter and doing a lot more YouTube and basically kind of whittling away what I'm doing personally on Instagram because mm-hmm. It already has basically just been unless you have like block comments from people that don't follow you uh all of the engagement is just random bots that have like somebody's first name and a, like 10 characters of numbers and letters. And it's just a mess. And this is like every like I get on all my stories is some random bot that's like, uh, you know, not safe for work. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, I have six Instagram accounts. I run six daily Instagram accounts where I am looking at these things, cause it's my job mm. and I, I have my toes and you know, talons and a lot of stuff. This is happening across all of them in different industries like they're not all photo pages There's a business page. There's a guitar page. There's a photo page. There's just like my my normal, you know Side life page. I have a lot of stuff. It's like the same style of bots. It's the same kind of stuff It's like the platform is a mess um, I I like stories and That's kind of where my friends are because Facebook is now just like kind of old people and like family members to me It's not really like a serious <laughs> platform um, So I don't know what to do I got to double down on Twitter because like Twitter's doing great right now and you know uh, You know this will segue into our next topic here in a second, but you know YouTube is gonna see probably some pretty big changes soon yeah, and uh, I'm interested in and in seeing where social goes because Right now, it kind of sucks.
1: It, it's not new, right? We've been dealing with this for a long time. Um, and it's no no account is safe um, as far as like being protected from these scammer accounts, these spam accounts. I had a friend who just signed up for Instagram who tries to not be on any social media, but he just signed up to Instagram specifically to keep up with my coffee content. No followers. One following, which is me, and he's already had like – 10 bot accounts try to solicit things from him or whatever just total scams that are probably automated it's like if if he can't be protected following nobody but me following nobody else and not having any followers himself like who can be like even if big accounts can't like should he should he have to pay 12 bucks a month when he has no other use for this platform i think it's ridiculous Yeah. yeah
0: it's garbage man it is what it is um speaking about uh YouTube so the CEO Susan Wojcicki just stepped down Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how much you know about Susan Wojcicki. She's been a part of the YouTube space for a long long time Yeah, Um,
1: I have a brief understanding of the history, but I don't know what her day-to-day impact really was
0: Yeah, uh, I, I assume a lot of things like you know She she definitely spearheaded a lot of stuff at YouTube the last handful of years, but uh If there's one thing that I'm hopeful for that I just I I pray uh, you know, happens is they bring back dislikes. Bring me back mm-hmm. dislike numbers, baby. I need that stuff. I was a part of the, the group of people that said it when it first went away. I was like, I look at a video whether it's credible or not by that ratio. It's mm-hmm. so easy to put out crap information and so many people are posting videos that are just like to get views with like the super meta YouTube like stylings and delivering Piss-poor information to me, and I don't want to sit through 10 minutes of a freaking video before I find out that it's garbage I want to know that the general public thinks this is either good or bad and That's how we did and it worked for years. I don't think it's negative. I don't think you know I'm sure some people see uh, you know people that just decide to try to ratio you for uh, Unrelated reasons and stuff like that, but that is such a small issue compared to the utility for the viewer of what a dislike number does.
1: Yeah. um, Obviously, that decision was driven by watch time, advertising dollars. Um, There's going to be some... The the thing is, yes, a lot of people use the dislike ratio and the dislike button to help navigate what content is good or bad. But uh, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen here because um, as far as I heard... Maybe I'm wrong that she's being promoted to a different part of Google. Um, And it doesn't necessarily ring any bells to me that that might say big change is coming. You know what I mean? So this isn't a story that makes me think that there's going to be something coming for users to be excited about.
0: Well, here's another thing. Quarter over quarter, two in a row, uh, their, their revenue is down. Hmm. And the guy who's stepping in, yeah, yeah, Neil Mohan. He's the senior advertising and product executive, um, which is huge. Like, I don't know. I'd like to see what would happen. I, I'm i open to any change at the moment, so long as it stays away from like, hey, now I have to pay for YouTube as well. Because like I can tell you right now, once all of these platforms are paid, uh, I'm going to pick one. Yeah. I can't do it. I'm not going to spend $120 a, a year on or a month. Like so you know thousands of dollars a year Mm -mm. just so I can have discoverability on social media at that point It stops being important to me Mm -hmm. Um, And it'll only be important to like creators and stuff and if the audiences dwindle then like I Don't know (laughs) Uh, Maybe maybe this could produce like better ecosystems within certain platforms Uh, you know if You know people tend to not be so crappy if they have to pay Um, but it, it closes a lot of doors for a lot of people. And I don't like the idea that my, my work or things that I make can't just be for everyone.
1: That sucks. Well, it, it does suck. And I can't help but feel, at least in Meta's case, like this is a decision that resulted from burning billions of dollars on the metaverse. And it almost feels like we're now having to pay for their bad management. <laughs> like we don't get really a benefit. No, nobody benefits and they're gonna continue right. to burn billions of dollars building this platform that seemingly doesn't hold any value
0: Yeah, uh, I'm sure that might be a part of it But I think it's it's still a weak argument for their why I think it was literally that oh, this is very successful at Twitter I think we're just gonna do it on Instagram You because think they thought it was very money.
1: successful because I think a lot of people didn't weren't quite it sure is,
0: It's very successful I see most of the people I follow now they all pay for Twitter blue like okay. <laughs> and this is this is almost across the board Everybody who like actually is a content creator. I Rarely see somebody without a blue check on Twitter and I tell you I love it. I I use Twitter daily I'm on there to. That's where I get a lot of info it's where a I, I honestly that's where I've been seeing a lot of my favorite photography recently um, It's a pretty solid community but people, as much as there was like a month where everyone was just shitting on Elon, all the people that didn't like the changes are still all on there, and they pay for it. And I that's deleted crazy my Twitter last
1: year. <laughs> yeah, I'm just and a not lot of even in this space anymore. Well, to begin with, I never used it. I never quite understood it. Um, I guess I'm a little old school in that way, and it just never had value to me. So I deleted it. Not you know, like four months ago, five months ago.
0: It's where a bunch of the creator conversations happen for YouTube. Like, because oh, yeah. YouTube doesn't YouTube doesn't have a component that allows creators to communicate very openly and easily, unless you're commenting on people's videos, which is stupid. So, I think just about every single one of the, the YouTubers that I frequently watch, I follow them on Twitter, and that's where I get a lot more information, and that's how I can communicate with them. I get to communicate with almost all of them. I've spoken to most of the YouTube creators that I like, when, when it's, you know, when there's something applicable or mm-hmm. like I can have something to say or I have a question or whatever. And generally they get back to me. You know what I mean? That's pretty crazy. It's a yeah. super powerful platform. It is. But they all pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. And Facebook was like, I guess we're going to get that bag because people are going to pay for this. Once you think, it doesn't even matter if everybody feels like us. There's there's a version of me that if I if I feel like I need it, because it would affect me somehow get clients or whatever i'm paying for instagram
1: yeah because if it's gonna be pay to
0: win yeah like you're like a lot fortunately i don't think i'm gonna have to will the company i work for do it i'm gonna look at if it's beneficial and if it is then we're gonna Mm -hmm. because it's a small price to pay for a profitable company to do but for uh, somebody trying to you know cut into the industry and just be a photographer in general and want to share good art like now you basically have a dead account unless Mm -hmm. you pay for it probably Mm -hmm. like how do you get good engagement Mm -hmm. um it's already numbed to good engagement anyway i I complain about this every freaking episode but man the engagement on instagram's garbage people aren't there to look at photos and art it's like i use it as my primary messenger so i'm part of the problem but Mm -hmm. like I use it to look at stories and message people. Yep. All of my friends know that that's how they can text me. They don't text me through my phone app because I won't get back to them. <laughs> I'll get back to them on Instagram because I'm already there for work anyway.
1: Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough, man. I'm not looking forward to it. Like I said, I pretty much hate every part of this. I will be grudgingly probably pay for this and I hate that I will because I'm gonna feel like I have to because I'm gonna be on the platform regardless.
0: Yeah. So, what happens if YouTube does it?
1: It's gonna suck, and I have to choose because I can Yeah, because like you said, I can't. If Meta will will take this twelve dollars a month and apply it to both like linked accounts, like a Facebook and an Instagram version, if they're linked in the business suite or whatever, that's gonna soften the blow a little bit, and I'll be like, okay, cool. Both accounts are gonna are gonna benefit. Um, if YouTube does it, goodness, I don't know what I'm gonna do.
0: Yeah. Uh, if YouTube does it, they better they better bake in a version of Twitter into YouTube where we can have actual social com- like conversations and stuff. Because just having sh- a Shorts feed and a um, a video feed with like no real community engagement, they have like their their community posts and stuff. It is not the same. It is not very user friendly uh, from the cell phone app. Which I again I don't watch YouTube on my phone, but I go in there to make sure I understand the user experience and how people mm. are seeing things. It is not easy to to go there for community posts. That's not really an option. Mm. So super interesting it's it's a mess it's a it's a damn nightmare um but i suppose we'll see uh i don't have a lot of rumors this week which is nice um but i do have some feelings about the tamron 20 to 50 f2 rumors being fake um oh
1: i did not see that
0: okay that's not a real lens and it's not gonna be a real lens um it was a fake image and it makes perfect sense. I don't think Tamron has it in them to make a, a probably $2,000 lens because it would be very expensive. Um, it would be better than, it's a better formula for the photographer and probably the videographer than the 28 to 70 F2. It would be large as hell. Um, and the closest thing we have to it that lets me know how large it would be, how expensive it would be, and how hard it would be to produce is Sigma made the 24 to 35 f2, which is a stellar lens. If you're back in the DSLR world, I know a lot of people that used it. Uh, it's basically like having a 24 and 35 mil prime because um, it's it's as sharp as Sigma's known for, and it was a, a really stellar lens. Um, but it was chunky and it was heavy and it was only 24 to 35. So imagine a 20 to 50. That is only 20 millimeters at the long end shorter than the 20 to 70 f4. And we're talking an f2. This lens would be f- a megalith. Mm-hmm. It would be fat and it would be very expensive. It would probably cost more than their 35 to 150. Probably. So, like, I went, of course it was fake. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, the, and it would just be like, it would just eat their 20 to 40 F2.8. Um, and we also know how big that is. Yeah. It's, it's relatively compact, but it's 2.8. It doesn't have the extra 10 mils. Um, it suffers from distortion. I don't love Tamron's build quality personally. So I wasn't confident in such a fat piece of glass being F2 in the first place.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, on, uh, uh, especially, as specs go, exciting, an exciting prospect. Um, but you're you're right. It's easy to see um, that it being fake, that, that's not surprising. You're right. It would have been a huge lens. It would have been hugely expensive. And could Tamron pull it off and not make it a terrible quality piece of glass? I don't know. The physics would be very, very tough for them. That being said, they've been on a streak lately of putting out glass that's a little innovative a little out of the norm that some of the first party glass is used to um, and we've talked about it in the past whether that's to just kind of make sure that they have an in with some of these other systems I don't know so I was optimistic I'll say Yeah. to see if this sure. is fake I'm not super surprised
0: yeah and yeah. it, and there's a little bit of a bummer. I would love to see Sigma do it because I would buy a Sigma. I don't think I'd buy a Tamron. Um, I'd yeah. be worried with that size of a lens from Tamron. Um, you know, I had the, the Sony G Master 135 and with the plastic front filter thread ring and stuff like that, that's a heavy piece of glass. Mm. And it's really easy to break, mm. um, which is, you know, their their plastic bodies are not really that sick I haven't I haven't handled the 35 to 150 myself I'm sure that's a little improved it's a pretty high-end piece of glass but as far as they're like normal 28 to 75 and 17 to 28 and they're 70 to, to 180 or whatever um it's <laughs> yeah it's not it's not really confidence inducing so it, again yeah it, it's not surprising um but I do love when uh when we see something kind of weird I still think the 20 to 40 is a super interesting lens um yeah though because i don't really need to a uh the sony 20 to 70 kind of crushes it in my opinion but um, yeah. it was cool to see i was happy to see that they did something like that because i'm sure a lot of people will use it
1: yeah and for this lens you know the 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 frequent topic was what a great lens for travel and until you realize just how massive and heavy it would probably have to be, right? Like kind yeah. of defeats the purpose of travel. Um, you know, travel tends to be lightweight and easy to carry and it would, ha- it would have to be a lens that would not be. So um, it makes sense. It definitely makes yeah. sense that it just couldn't be.
0: As far as a segue for size and uh, size and shape go, um, I am currently shooting on the 14 to 24 and I am not keeping this lens. Oh. Um, it's it's a thick lens I don't think the zoom range is such that I, I care um, I'm pretty interested in the 16 to F2. 28 f28 from Sigma um, it's a pretty compelling little lens after I've, I've gotten some decent time with the 28 to 70 I'm pretty impressed with their contemporary zoom and uh, pretty sure I'm going to go ahead and uh, try to cop a 16 to 28 to 8 In the nearish future after I move this thing, Um, but I have some plans for this I also have some other big gear plans. I'm gonna be shifting some stuff around doing some pretty crazy things. So uh, That'll probably be a topic of the next episode because I have some plans to do this week, but uh, Yeah, the 1424 and I are just not getting along. I don't think (laughs) I don't think 14 to 16 is my realm Um, It's all stuff that I would rather use my iPhones ultra wide for and I love the ultra wide on the iPhone 13 Pro um it's half the reason I like the iPhone in general is that ultra wide lens yeah. so um so it's 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 a really hard sell for me the uh i was I was interested in getting the uh the rear filters and like really giving this a go but it's it's too chunky and too wide uh not for me
1: that's all right i mean i was I was curious how that was going with the lens and i didn't expect you to drop a bomb like that right away but have you considered taking it out just kind of leisurely, doing some photo stuff with it? Yeah, well,
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna do some stuff this week, um, and I'm I'm thinking about probably chopping together either a couple of shorts about it or like a, a short video. I want to start pumping out some photo video content again on the channel, and that that seems like a good place to start. But it's uh, I don't like carrying it around. I already know that I don't like for the focal range, uh how big it is the thing is heavy and chonky so like i like to run around with a little sling and just my you know one body and a sling usually i take one lens or two i usually have one on the body and i'll take like my 40 mil it used to be the 85 you know a just in case prime is uh kind of my my shtick sure but uh it uh it is not the one to put on the body and it certainly (laughs) isn't going to be tucked in the bag if as a just in case because it's so large yeah i i often don't need anything wider than the 28 at work so
1: so yeah i like playing with the wide stuff especially for for like astrophotography which is something i know you don't really do um but getting the wide i like you know the wide stuff especially when you've got like a subject that you can really play with and stretch and use the distortion to your advantage just for, for creative purposes for, uh, for work like you, I understand that that might not be super practical. So I yeah. get it. it's just, it's just the size. Cause like, I wouldn't want to hike
0: with the thing either. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. I know if I'm, if I'm hiking, I'm having my 70 to 200 with me. I learned in two trips now between the Philippines and doing one hike without it, that like, just take the, lens you love. like Just take it. <laughs> um yeah. So that thing always gets packed. So there's there's not really uh, much room for it. I would rather for a, a wide angle lens for even Astro or even for just like landscapes, a much smaller wide. Um, so I'm probably going to play around with that 16 to 24. I, I played with trying to get my uh, 20 mil 18 back. I do have breathing compensation now, so it could be a little bit more useful to me. Um, but we'll see what happens. Tell me about how that shoot went with uh, you used a, I assume the a7c as well as your a 7 for the uh, The tourism board shoot. Yeah,
1: I did and I like it. Let me tell you why and it's such a small little thing um, This means nothing to the actual practicality of the shoot it's got one of the best shutter sounds of a camera I've ever used. <laughs> the Bro. click on it is so, like, you can feel it. It's so tactile. You press the button, it's it feels like the D850 almost, like, just so, I don't know. It's, it's like, not even, like, it doesn't have anything to do with how I can get the job done. But usability, I was like, oh, this is satisfying. Uh, to that end, I put the 85 on it. You know, uh, we talked before about how I'd use these two cameras together, and I always thought I would instinctively put the 85 on the on the a7-4 with better autofocus however uh, i put it on the a7c just to test it out and uh, it performed very well in fact i think it performed better than the a 7 III. it was very sticky uh, for my subjects which wasn't too difficult we're talking about 85 at basically f2 um so i didn't have a hard time um doing um uh, either full body shots with a couple so like two people so i'm back probably like 20 feet or so or um pulling up close to like chest high shots and getting like um uh, the sunset in the background and seemed to me it was very very good performing in a low light situation um i was shooting like I said, 85, about 500 shutter speed uh, F2, so we were anywhere in the neighborhood of like 1600 3200 ISO depending it performed, I was very happy and I haven't looked at the images yet but back of the screen, I can tell you like 75% of the total images from the shoot were on the A7C. We were very happy with what that was producing. I was showing my contact because she usually is on these shoots with me when they involve people that she brings in. And um, I was showing her images going, hey, I think we've recreated the magic of last year. I'm showing her the back of the screen. So it went really well. And I can update you next week on how the images turned out.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious because like obviously the I don't expect – the ISO performance to be quite as good as the um, the A7 IV, mm. so I'm interested to to hear how it looks at 3200. Um, but I mean, it should be close. It should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I shoot up to 6400 with pretty much all my cameras, pretty pretty easily. So oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a full stop is probably you know nothing crazy. Um, but that's cool. I I also am curious. Uh, have you done any like slower shutter handheld stuff? With that, because I am curious if that uh, that gnarlier shutter would produce some kind of shake, because uh, it's a smaller, lighter body and a heavier, like sounding shutter.
1: I haven't. I kept the ISO up so I could avoid having any issue with that. On, on a professional shoot, that's just yeah, where my would have went the same right for away. Sure. With yeah, wildlife, yeah. it's going to be a different story. So I can test out maybe one of these days um, the 150 to 600 on the A7C. And give that a try, because definitely, especially if I'm out for a sunrise, um, I'm starting off at like ISO 10,000 and then adjusting basically every 15 minutes to the way the light changes, um, which often involves keeping the shutter speed about as low as possible uh, without intentionally making sure that there's some camera shake. So I can definitely test that out, see how that goes for sure. I wouldn't normally um, put myself in that kind of situation for like product or you know on a on a actual gig but it is an interesting topic yeah
0: yeah well i'd just be curious like uh it, it is a lighter body i wouldn't expect mm-hmm. it to you know the heavier that body is going to be the harder it's going to be to shake it right mm-hmm. um i would probably just do a uh, at 150 300 and 600 towards like the the reciprocity rule right just like mm-hmm. try it at like 1 150th 1 300th 1 600th at mm-hmm. those focal lengths and see uh, See how it does um yeah. something to to at least note because if it is an issue um, Then if you know ahead of time to always avoid it, it's not a big <laughs> deal obviously. I, I don't mind. I like a I like a, a shutter um, That's why I like my zenit for film camera because it basically sounds like a pentax 67 yeah. um, And it's a 35 mil camera so <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad it's working out, though. Uh, yeah, I, like like it. I, said, I'm I like it. I'm going to be excited to see what those what those images look like. It's gotten me... me uh, there's a couple of things that, again, I'll talk about my gear woes uh, in the, either the next episode or the following, but uh, it's got me really hopeful for an A7C2. Mm-hmm. Um, just because. Just because, you know. Just because. Yeah. Um, I can at least say I've been doing most of my stuff at work right now with the pair of a seven fours. And uh, my seven S two or three rather is kind of just sat in the bag all the time, and it's like, hey, hey, bud, you wanna, mm-hmm. you wanna do a thing? But I'm I'm often <laughs> I'm often switching between photos and videos, so I just I default unless I need one twenty or unless I need like to make sure I minimize rolling shutter, I just grab my seven four.
1: It's quite the asset to have to be using so infrequently these days. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like I, it, it's right now. It's still worth almost three grand. So it's mm-hmm. got me. It's
1: got me wondering
0: Thinking. if, uh, if you know, I uh, I round out my kit in other ways for now because mm-hmm. I don't need two bodies at my job because I have one matching body with Works Body, mm-hmm. um, and in a pinch, I do have a full spectrum modified A7S two, uh, oh. and I have I have the proper filters to make. To block out all the IR and all the other stuff so it can look like a normal camera, which mm-hmm. is pretty tight yeah. uh, Makes it makes it quite versatile. So I, I have four cameras kicking around that I got <laughs> access to uh, Starts to make me wonder what I'm gonna do, but
1: yeah,
0: Well right on I uh, I think that's all I got for the show today um, We both had a couple of technical issues. so I'm gonna have to chop this up decently, but uh <laughs> I'm I'm excited for this next week. I got some some photo stuff happening. I got some marketing stuff happening. Um, we'll get into maybe the nitty gritty of some business stuff, and we'll talk. Uh, I want to I want to do a little bit more about talking about some of the coffee stuff next week. Oh, um, yeah, for that'll sure. be a, that'll be a topic on my end as well. So uh, let's uh, let's make it happen. If you're still sticking around, listening to this episode, thank you. We appreciate you. Go ahead and. Uh, you know, send us some messages and stuff. There is a Light Over Time Instagram. I don't really use it yet, so go ahead and follow David and I uh, on our our Instagrams. Uh, He also has one for his coffee you should check out. Uh, All of those links are in the show notes. Um, And then go ahead and check out our channels because we'll both probably be releasing some new stuff soon.
1: Yeah. Thanks for (laughs) listening, guys. See you later.